This is All Things ANSYS, a podcast from the technical support staff at PADT. Episode 55, a look at what is exciting about ANSYS 2020 R1 and an update on the world of ANSYS. Greetings from the Doubletree Inn in Tucson, Arizona. I'm in town for the 2020 Arizona Photonics Day, and it's also, turns out, the Gem Show Week in Tucson. That's when thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, actually, who like rocks, come to this beautiful city to, well, look at rocks. Uh, it's, it's a big deal if you're in the gem and kind of shiny stone world. Um, people come from all over the world for this show. Unfortunately, the AZ Photonics Day is based upon, it's always the the week before the big photonics show in San Francisco. So we can't really change the time. So we have to share um, a crowded space. There's, a, there's, there's not a lot of hotel rooms open uh, during gem week in in tucson so i'm enjoying my 50s retro stay um if you've never lived in the southwest it's a very typical 1950s uh, kind of motel with the pool in the middle and entry uh you know glass in the front glass in the back and a entry through a sliding glass door off to a balcony and and brick walls and lots of uh southwestern colors it's actually kind of nice it's kind of retro by the way, I'm I'm Eric Miller. I'm the co-owner of PADT and your host for these podcasts. Uh, a little bit about me. I've been an ANSYS user since uh, 1986 when I graduated from college and moved to Phoenix to work at a company called Garrett Turbine Engine Company, which is now Honeywell. And on my second day, I was introduced to a piece of software called ANSYS. And it's been a great relationship ever since. And uh, enjoy doing these podcasts and talking about what's new and exciting in the world of ANSYS. Uh, this episode itself will include a discussion on what our support team likes about ANSYS 2020 R1 and a look at ANSYS news. And uh, I'll throw in there actually some observations from the ANSYS sales kickoff, which was last week and just got back from. And speaking of that, I apologize for this podcast being late. Uh, we were in Orlando, um, the whole sales team and a couple engineers and myself and my co-owner Ward. And uh, <clears throat> we were there for the sales kickoff and we thought we'd record some interviews while we were there, but it just never came together where the right people were at the right place at the right time. It's a very busy couple of days with lots of meetings and and uh, training and talking to people and networking. So um, so we're a little bit behind. Uh, we're catching up now and uh, that everyone is back and had a talk uh, this morning. And then I drove down to Tucson and we're recording the rest of it now here in the hotel room. So speaking of the interview, uh, Ansys just put out. Uh, the 2020 release called R1. It's the first of the year. And it's the full suite of products. It's not uh, just one or two. It's all of them. And we spent some time talking about what we like and uh, what we think people should check out because it'll make them more efficient or give them new capabilities. So take a listen to what our team had to say. All right. Well, I want to welcome uh, everybody to another discussion about another new version of ANSYS. You know, uh, be careful of what you wish for. We always wanted faster and more releases, more more feature-packed releases of ANSYS software, and uh, they've delivered on that. And so we're here today talking about ANSYS 2020 R1. Um, and with me, I've got Josh Stout, who's new to the podcast, Cena uh, Godes, Ted Harris, and Tom Chadwick. So Josh, uh, one of the other traditions we have is you uh, you got to introduce yourself and tell us how you got into the world of ANSYS. So tell us about your background and how you ended up being an ANSYS user. 
Oh boy. All right. Uh, well, I guess I, my first exposure to ANSYS really was as an intern for you guys uh, seven years ago. Um, I was a student mechanical engineering at Arizona State. Uh, since then, I moved on to graduate school in Illinois, and I've you know, moved back to Arizona just in the last six months. Uh, so here I am back at PADT um, working with ANSYS again. So it's uh, been exciting. And you're a second generation ANSYS user, is that correct? Uh, yeah, I guess you could say that. My dad is also a mechanical engineer who works with uh, mechanical mm. pretty extensively. Yeah, he's been a long-time uh, customer of ours. So, um, uh, and I, what I would call a power user. So you've got uh, you've got a little bit of genetic head start there, which is good. <laughs> uh, Sina, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us what you do here at PDT? Hey everyone, I'm Sina Goats. I'm a senior application engineer, CFE. Uh, application engineer here at PDT, uh, and again, my background is is a multi-phase uh, and external fluid flows, uh, using Fluent probably for 10, 12 years now. Great. Has it been that long now? Wow, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> Time flies. Ted. So my name is Ted Harris, and I manage what we call our simulation support group here at PADT, so very long-time <laughs> ANSYS user started using ANSYS on day two of my first job right out of college uh, a few decades ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Tom. Uh, my name is Tom Chadwick. I'm the senior um, CFD application engineer here at PADT as well. Um, I have probably not quite as long as Ted experience with ANSYS. I've been using CFD for around 30 years now. But uh, didn't get exposed to ANSYS until the mid-90s. But a uh, long-time user of multiple CFD codes for various applications, everything from hypersonic flow to uh, lithium-ion battery cooling. Both very hot topics right now, by the way. Um, but both figuratively and literally. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> now that you think about it. Uh, um, okay. So, like I said, we're, we're – by the way, my name's – I always forget to introduce myself, but sometimes people skip to the just the interview. Uh, I'm Eric Miller. I'm one of the owners here at PADT, and uh, I've been using ANSYS for a year longer than Ted. Uh, I started a year uh, before he did uh, at what's now Honeywell. And um, – um, here at PADT, I do a lot of stuff, including um, overseeing our consulting group as well as marketing and HR and facilities. So um, welcome, everybody, to our discussion. And who wants to be first to say what your favorite thing is in 2020 R1? I guess well, I can start. <laughs> go ahead. So uh, Fluent specifically uh, – mm -hmm. It's a uh, an effort that ANSYS started at uh, the uh, beginning of last year, actually, to give uh, users a new uh, user experience. And yes. uh, for that purpose, they uh, introduced different uh, uh, workflows, meshing workflows. So the idea is to have uh, new users or not necessarily advanced users to easily navigate through the software, get decent results without necessarily having decent experience. And uh, less, uh, you know, clicks, less setup time. And uh, in continuous of, or continuing that, that effort, and the 2020 R1, they uh, added a, some uh, cosmetic, some a new look, uh, basically, to the software. 
uh, they've added new rendering effects, uh, which is now software really looks uh, a really modern and uh, up-to-date, uh, updated basically software. And uh, some uh, coloring, colors, uh, you know, uh, contours, plots, they, they all look new. They have uh, consolidated many, many uh, menus and pages. Uh, probably the most one is the lunch uh, uh, page or window they've mm -hmm. consolidated so it's it's a very uh new look and a very again more efficient way to use use fluent if if you've used it before now all the options are narrowed down again consolidated to to probably one page or uh very accessible and again uh if the look is very new and fresh mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I, I've been hearing from a lot of folks that that's um, really popular, and, and we have competitive codes that may have a newer GUI. And and what we what we hear is, I want the capabilities in Fluent, but I want the, a more modern user interface. So it's great that that's happening. Um, very excited about that. Um, how about uh, anybody have anything on the mechanical side? Sure, I'll go ahead and talk about that. So, uh, number one on my list is what I'm calling Granta Selector in Workbench. So Granta Selector, for those not aware, uh, Granta was a, a materials, we'll call it materials management company that Ansys acquired recently. And so we're seeing the integration of those tools at a higher level within the existing Ansys products. And so Granta Selector is a tool that gives you not just access to what I'll call zillions of different materials, but it also has, you know, advanced, uh, materials in there allows us to make some, uh, choices, some intelligent choices between different materials, um, based on, you know, cost and things like that. Um, and, and what's new is grant a selector is now in workbench. And so you can add it as a, as a block within the project schematic mm -hmm. and then, uh, open it up and, browse or search on a material of choice or uh, look at several different materials and make a decision on which one you want to use in your downstream simulation. And then it's as simple as right-clicking and exporting to engineering data. And then we're in the, the standard workbench workflow and we can link that engineering data block to any downstream simulation where we want to use the materials that we've identified in Granda Selector. Yeah, I think Granta is going to be um, uh, a major tool. I, th I think we've all, all of us who have been doing simulation for a while, have always wanted a better way to do material properties. And and just every time we go to an Excel spreadsheet to grab properties and paste them into uh, engineering data, we know there's got to be a better way. And now there is. Um, so that is a fantastic tool. And, and I'll follow on that with um, another Granta product, which is brand new. It's called Granta MI Pro. It's not really part of mechanical. It's a standalone tool. But a Granta MI is a tool used to kind of, it's kind of like data management for your material data. Um, and Pro is kind of a shrink wrap version of that without, doesn't need any customization or if you're not an enterprise where you don't need all this special stuff. So you kind of can use it out of the box to be your repository for your uh, material data. And, and again, this is kind of answers filling in those gaps, right? We've, we've just, companies are rolling their own material data management tools or they're, um, or they're using Excel. <laughs> um, and so the uh, grant MI pro is going to be fantastic. Um, and, um, we'll definitely be talking about that as well 
well as as granted for for simulation uh, or mechanical. I forget what the full name of it is. Um, I think that's that's something everybody should have. Is what Ted was just talking about. It's going to be I, awesome. I, I see that Granta MI uh, mm-hmm. is uh, an option in Workbench twenty twenty R one as well. Correct. So you can go all the way up to the to high end enterprise if you if you work at an enterprise. In fact, many of you listening may work for a large company that's been a grant a customer before the acquisition. So make sure you reach out to your material science folks and make sure they're using the Ansys uh, connection tools so that you can uh, get to the material database directly from within our environment. The Ansys. You know, we've been we've been training and supporting customers in Ansys mechanical simulations and you know, the last 25 years, really, and uh, not quite that many for me at PADT, but certainly over 20. And one of the biggest pain points has been, where do I get my material properties? And (laughs) customers need to perform a simulation. That can be the hardest challenge Mm -hmm. is obtaining the material properties they need. And, you know, Ansys has really taken some big steps in the last year or so to eliminate that pain point. And Granta is the key. And we're going to come back. We we, we talked to the founder of Granta last year, and we're going to do another podcast on Granta. Uh, we're going to let kind of the, the water settle uh, with these new tools and then bring them back in to talk more about uh, how, how people should be using it. So what else? Who else has got – now that we've sung the praises of Granta, what else does somebody have? Well, as far as the Fluent uh, tool, I know Cena mentioned some of the improvements that they've done, but – in specific details, they've added a lot of more capability into the watertight meshing tool. Mm. When it started, it had some limitations just based upon what you could do. For instance, you could only apply one boundary layer inflation setting for the oh. entire model. But now you can tag individual labels or zones and apply settings to each zone so you can have multiple boundary layer controls which is really helpful for certain problems where you might have a small feature detail that you want to wrap inflation around, Mm -hmm. um, but you don't need it for the rest of the model. Um, In addition, there was a limitation at the beginning that you couldn't handle uh, periodic boundaries. Uh And now they've added in the capability to handle periodic boundaries in the watertight meshing. And that's a big deal for turbo machinery applications specifically. Spinny things. Yep. 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 <laughs> that's yeah. That's it's a uh, meshing has been a consistently growing and improving area, and I'm really excited about it. Um, how about you, Josh? You know, you're a relatively new user. What are you, what are you excited about? Oh, well, there are a couple of things that I've written down. Um, I've done a lot of looking through iSpec, specifically the Electron cool. Desktop version uh, recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, my impression is that in this 2020 R1, they've done a lot of reconciling between the Electron Desktop and the standalone versions. Um, so really before, the AEDT version was really kind of falling behind as far as capability goes. Right. But they've done a lot to catch up uh, with the standalone at this point. Uh, so now you can do the full transient solutions is, is probably the biggest thing. Um, but they've also moved over a lot of the macros uh, that were in, in the standalone. Um, oh, that's so big. Yeah, that's yeah. huge. Yeah. Yep, so a lot of geometry creation stuff. Uh, there's also the uh, divergence debug tool, which is pretty useful. Um, that, that's mostly what I have for IcePack. Mm-hmm. I also have uh, I have some comments on Discovery Live, too. Let's go there. Yeah, I think there's a lot in Discovery Live. What, what, do you, what have you got for that? I think probably the, the most exciting thing about that is uh, just advancements on the topology optimization. 
Uh, yeah. So yeah. before it had been only for structural, really uh, looking at stiffness, mm -hmm. you could do some basic <laughs> definitions like you want to uh, reduce the total volume of a, of a solid by a certain amount. Um, but there are more controls for that now that I think are more oriented towards uh, actually manufacturing, or being able to manufacture the final uh, shape. <laughs> yeah. It's a if if you haven't used Discovery Live or seen a video of it for topological optimization, what's because Discovery Live is such a fall fast solver, it is really quick on coming up with these shapes. I mean, it's not instantaneous, but like in ten or fifteen minutes, it's optimized the geometry fairly. Yeah, well. for those that came by the PADT booth at the ASME Turbo Expo yeah. last summer in Phoenix, brave the heat. We had a video going that showed a topology optimization performed in Discovery Live. We compressed it down to about a five-minute video, mm -hmm. but the actual topology optimization study took about 20 minutes nice. to you know, start with a block of material and uh, end up with something like an a engine mount um, mm -hmm. that was a, a nice uh, reduction in mass as well as a, a workable from a uh, force and stress um, standpoint. Yeah, I think the other thing I'll add for Discovery Live that I remember seeing was um, that um, we can do kind of thinner. It, it struggled sometimes with really thin geometries, the, the way the algorithm worked, and and that's been kind of healed. Literally, uh, they they can handle thinner geometries now. So that's that's a big improvement that was limiting the kinds of problems you could solve with it. So that's there, and uh, they also um, introduced a steady state solver on the fluid side, uh, which I think was important. We well, let's make it a transient solver because everything's transient in fluids, and then we we. Listen to the users who are saying, you know, sometimes I just want a static solution. So I'd rather be able to get a static solution and change my geometry and see what the steady state is um, than um, let it let it watch it. It's really cool to watch it reach steady state, but I don't need to watch it reach steady state. It doesn't add value to me. So that was really cool. Um, uh, I'm really excited about that. And actually, uh, kind of on that note, it's a little bit funny. They also added a time averaging for the transient solutions. Oh, so I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of another yeah. option here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So again, driving you to make design decisions up front really quickly. Um, how about uh, anybody have anything uh, to talk about um, on the structure side? I've got a list if you don't. Well, I yeah. I have one for the mechanical that really applies to everybody that uses mechanical, okay. and that is um, – an integrated progress bar. So when you're solving, when you're meshing, so it used to be that a little window popped up that showed the, the progress and that had the stop button. That little window now no longer shows up by default. However, right at the bottom of the window, there's a, a progress graph and there's a pause button there. Um, so it's, it doesn't take up as much space. It's not a separate window that you might accidentally click on and close. Um, however, if you still want to see the old-fashioned, well, mm -hmm. old-fashioned, <laughs> kind of a strange thing to say, but the, the traditional pop-up window, um, all you have to do is click on the new progress bar, and the the uh, older appearance window will will pop okay. up, and that has the the controls to stop or um, whatever the appropriate yep. um, condition might be based on on what you're doing. Yeah, so that to me, that's 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 nice because it. Mm -hmm. It's integrated within the current window. It takes up less space. 
And um, like I said, you don't have to worry about accidentally clicking on it. Not that I've done that, but I've been fearful. I've had friends that have done that. Yeah, friends. Um, also one of the things that, um, I got excited about on the structural side was just a lot more for doing beams and shells. So kind of the streamlining that workflow to do cross sections and line bodies and, you know, reinforcements. And, um, it just seems like modeling large structures. Uh, there's a lot of work going into that, um, on both on the solver side as well. And when we do our detailed dive into, uh, uh mechanical, we'll, we'll definitely talk more about that. But, um, I'm really excited for people that make rockets and bridges and cars um there's just a lot of new enhancements that are going to make that easier and there have been steady enhancements in bringing in external models as well with Mm -hmm. the ability to to bring in more Mm -hmm. options in the the types of elements and cross sections and things like that yeah so just making that much more capable uh what else uh not to so we don't ignore cfx i just wanted to yeah. say that some of the <laughs> some of the things they've done in cfx they continue to make improvements to the harmonic analysis capability Good. for blades in addition they've been doing a lot of work um on the ability to generate operating maps which is a really nice oh, feature if you're doing yeah. if you're doing a blade design and you want to find out what the performance map of the blade is um you can now give it a whole series of mass flow rates and speeds and it will generate all the performance results across that entire map and generate the map for you very handy Some, yes. somebody here needs to write a way to get that into flonex yeah and the other thing that they've done is there's a um there's been an issue before about uh modeling uh film cooling on blades mm-hmm. and there was a lot of back and forth within ANSYS about whether they wanted to actually model the individual holes and they decided that was too mesh intensive to do so they've added in the capability to simply define uh, physical locations on the blade define the flow rate and the size of the hole and basically it inserts uh, like a source point uh, at the location, so you can model the cooling flow coming in, coming out of the blade, without having to go through the effort of generating a detailed mesh of the whole blade surface and all the little holes. So it allows you to move. The really nice thing about it is it allows you to move the holes around and adjust the cooling flow rates to see what its effect is, without having to go generate a whole new mesh. Mm-hmm. So, so for those of you who live in the world of turbo machinery, turbine uh, uh, CFD design, this is a feature that um, we've been asking for for a very long time. I'm very excited to see that that's coming out. That's yeah, that's a biggie. That's huge. yeah, yeah. Um, there, there. A lot of companies will keep uh, one or two copies of other codes, older codes that do that just for that reason. So, good. Yeah, replacing Excel, replacing competitors. Good stuff. <laughs> uh Sina, you got anything else? Yeah, and uh I think uh probably ninety-nine percent of the, the CFT users deal with with turbulence and uh mm-hmm. so turbulent flows. Um and for for new 
or, or intermediate users kind of a, might be complicated what model to use. They have improved, uh, then, uh, there's some improvements in that area. Uh, there's a new default uh, uh, for, a, for a viscous model, basically. They, the software now uses a KOmega SSD, uh, which is uh, generally more more accurate than the previous default, which is K, K Epsilon. Uh, and then they also introduced uh, a new hybrid uh, uh, Rand's alias models uh, mm-hmm. uh, called SBES. So, in general, if if uh, turbulence uh, was uh, an issue before or kind of a challenge uh, in your simulations, uh, it might be some some improvements, uh, and m- you might get better results if you try with the with a new version, basically. Mm-hmm. That, that's big. I, I'm going to go totally totally off the topic of R2. R1. Um, at the ANSYS kickoff meeting, I met a company that's using AI to do predictive turbulence modeling. I'm going to try and get them to come on so you guys can grill them. But I thought that wow. was the coolest. That was the coolest application. So um, you know, basically, it, it figures out what your turbulence needs to be um, using AI. I don't quite understand it. So <laughs> that's off topic. But, uh, it, really it has cool. the buzzword AI and big data in it. So therefore, it must be good. Uh, but I'm going to try and get them on the podcast because I thought that was fascinating. Um, uh, okay. One more any short thing around the table. Ted, really quick. Anything else? Okay. Well, I have one on topology optimization. So we've uh-huh. talked about a lot about topology opti- optimization over the last few years. Um, the the rise of additive manufacturing has really allow us, allowed us to leverage what topology optimization can do for us. So it's using the physics-based optimization approach to, in most instances, remove material while preserving stiffness mm-hmm. um, based on applied loads and constraints and things like that. And so the what I see as a really useful enhancement in 2020 R1 is in regards to the validation step. So uh, the the workflow is we start with maybe an existing design or maybe just a blob of material where we apply some appropriate loads and constraints. And our first step is we solve typically a static structural simulation. Um, You know, their their, uh, ability to do modal and thermal as well, but um, static structural is probably the the heavy hitter. And then we perform our topology optimization where we're providing maybe some manufacturing constraints and some guidelines on amount of material to remove, uh, et cetera. And then uh, once that step is done, the final step is what we call the validation step. And that's where we're taking this optimized shape, which may be a very organic looking shape, and we're resolving it for appropriate boundary conditions. So loads and constraints that our structure is gonna experience in the real world. And so what's new in 2020 R1, is that the loads from that static structural step are now automatically mapped onto the optimized shape in the design validation step. So it used to be we had to kind of jump through some hoops to get our loads on there, maybe apply some uh, node-based constraints and and forces, and now we don't need to do that because the loads are mapped automatically. Now, having gone through it a few times, I can say that you have to follow the steps exactly that are described in the in the help for topology optimization in order for that to work i found that if i deviate from the steps 
um, it, it, it doesn't uh, automatically map the loads. But as long as you follow the steps in the documentation, it does work. And so that's going to be a tremendous time saver for people doing topology optimization and, and uh, you know, really just shows the level of effort Ansys Inc. is putting into the topology optimization, uh, additive manufacturing um, activities. Yeah, we haven't even scratched the surface on additive. Uh, we'll go around the table, and I'm going to come back and mention a couple things there. Um, next on my list is Josh. What do you think? Anything else you want to add? Uh, yeah, so I guess the last thing on my list is uh, back to Discovery Live. Um, mm -hmm. So, I mean, of course, we all know it's a great tool for initial design work and all that. Um, but if you're trying to go through and validate your design, you need to run it in something a little bit more thorough. Um, that's much easier to do now that they've added an export to mechanical option. So it, ah. will, it will take all of your geometry and materials, um, and simulations that you've run in Discovery Live, take boundary conditions, loads. It'll import or export all of that you know, for you directly. Uh, so that's really a, I haven't tried it yet, but at least in theory, that's a, a huge step as far as uh, making it easier to you know, pour it over and save a lot of time. For sure. Yeah, we have to try that out. Definitely. Um, Tom? Uh, let's see. Just there's been some nice changes in Fluent on the uh, transition of flows from what they call the volume of fluid, where you're dealing with, uh, you know, a, a liquid, a giant glob of liquid like a, a tank of water. Okay to uh, DPM simulation. So it automatically now handles the transition between that volume of fluid and say you're, um, you've got a wave being generated in the liquid tank. And as the, the wave splashes against a wall, the water breaks up into droplets. Oh, okay. So it now handles that transition much better from a solid volume to individual droplets. And that has all kinds of applications from sloshing liquids to um, fuel sprays to cooling sprays, all kinds of, you know, painting, anything like that, where you're dealing with a, uh, a liquid region breaking up into small droplets. Sneezing? Sneezing. <laughs> Everybody's got the virus on the. I got virus on the brain. <laughs> virus spreading on the brain. Um, and uh, Cena, right? Last one. Yeah. So uh, again, I just want to mention some keywords. If you're dealing with or the application, basically, uh, is is what you do. Uh, just to be aware of, of uh, some improvements in in fluent. Uh, radiation uh, has got some improvements. Uh, acoustics uh, has got some improvements. Uh, combustion, if you deal with uh, non-premix or premixed, uh, there are now FGM final rate uh, with some enhancement uh, that I suggest to try. And uh, if you have uh, small particles, uh, and before might have challenged to track them, there are some improvements there. So just to mention some keywords, if, if uh, 
and uh, if again it, it applies to you, definitely check out the, the new release. Right, right. And then in the additive space, I'll add um, additive prep, uh, which is a tool for kind of getting getting uh, ready for running your model. Uh, has added some stuff, and it now supports both SLM and EOS. It supported SLM uh, machines in the previous build, and uh, now EOS machines at 2020 R1. We can now um, you can play, change your laser parameters and things like that from within the tool. Um, got some some more accurate ways to model strain and stress uh, and uh, plasticity as well. It's, and we've validated for the aluminum alloy, aluminum SI10MG, which I think is a pretty common one. Um, and everything's faster and more accurate across the board. So um, definitely take a look at there's There's a bunch of little ones in there. We'll cover those when we talk about that specifically. But if you haven't looked at any of these tools we've talked about today in a while, there's been a lot of improvements. I also want to apologize to all of you who are electromagnetics users. Um, our electromagnetics team is swamped and we're unable to make the podcast. Um, and, um, and, and when I, after this interview, when I talk, uh, I'm going to talk about why we're hiring more people in that area. So please let your friends know, uh, cause we need help. We we're busy, busy, busy with electromagnetics. Um, we'll other get areas, them on a podcast in the, in the near future. Yeah. We're going to cover this topic specifically, electromagnetics specifically. Um, so um, that's it. I think we've gone longer than I thought we would, which is always a good thing. It means we were interesting to ourselves, at least. Um, <laughs> thank you all for taking the time to talk. And um, we look forward to diving deep into each of these through the next couple months. Thanks a lot. Sounds good. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Bye-bye. As always, when we do these updates, I recommend you read the release notes for whichever product, ANSYS product you use. You know, if you go to the help, you can. There's always release notes, and that's really a really good technical summary of what's new and different in each piece of software. And if you've not used an ANSYS product before that we talked about, or you haven't used it in a while, or maybe last time you checked it out, it didn't have the capabilities that you needed. Um, you know, one of the things to take away from our discussion is we keep adding ANSYS development just keeps adding so many capabilities so fast. You know, the pace and quality of enhancements keeps improving. So it may be time to revisit some of those tools you haven't used in a while or you haven't looked at in a while. Normally, this is where we throw a commercial in, but uh, we're still working on getting some better commercials. Till then, please consider PADT, uh, a little commercial for us, as your ANSYS supplier. If you're in the southwestern U.S., if you're anywhere between Texas and California, including Texas and California, um, you know, give us a call. We'd love to be your support provider. And um, if, you're, if you're not or if you've, you're happy with your current supplier, um, definitely consider us for consulting, you know, doing simulation work with ANSYS products as well as customization. We do a lot of work about that. We'll have to get um, some of our folks on a podcast to talk about that, but we write vertical apps and custom workflows and added functionality for folks like uh, new user materials or maybe a new user, user interface capability to the ANSYS products. That's a large part of our business. Um, and we're not just good at ANSYS, uh, we also uh, do a lot with additive manufacturing, 3D printing, and product development. We have a whole product development team. So please do give us a try. We love what we do, and our customers tell us that we're good at it. So we'd love to uh, give you a quote and uh, help you out with whatever your engineering project is. So some thoughts on that sales kickoff. Um, it's They call them SKOs. Um, so what happens, and, and most companies that sell any kind of product will do this is they get all the salespeople from around the world in a big hotel. And most of it is talking about who sold what, 
how to sell more and how to uh, you know what to know about new products and things. It's it's actually quite fun and and very interesting uh, from a sales standpoint. But it's also because it's Ansys, uh, we learn a lot from a technical standpoint. Um, most of what we talked about is confidential, um, but I can share three observations from my four days there. I wrote these down on my phone as I was taking a lift back to uh, to the airport at the end of the, the time I was there. Number one, and, and, and this has been going on for a while, but I think it's permeated the organization from a cultural standpoint. The whole organization has really accepted the fact that the way to grow sales is to deliver tools that make customers successful. Um, it's it's not how do I trick people into buying this tool. It's how can I get development to add the features my customers want. Um, how can I make sure my customers know that those features are there? How can I provide them training to make them capable? It, it's kind of it's kind of a, a different mindset than when we go to other sales kickoffs. Um, you know, and it was everywhere. It was it was marketing people, it was finance people, it was sales people, it was the executive team. Um, you know, everybody in the organization has kind of figured out that the way to sell things is to have a really really good product. And and of course, you know, the people from development are standing in the back saying, "We told you so," because this has been their ethos for a long time. I don't know that Ansys has, has not felt that way, but it's it's really strong, and and you see it in like new employees that they get it really fast. So number two, um, one of the things they do is they invite partners, people from the ANSYS partner ecosystem. These are these are third-party hardware and software providers that may provide computers to run ANSYS on, or their software tools that enhance or add to ANSYS's capabilities. And it's growing quite large. It's a chance for us to go around and meet them um, and understand what their products do and, and how they fit into the ANSYS world. And I spent quite a bit of time talking to a whole bunch of people. Hope to have some of them on the podcast. But um, we've always had a few good ones, but now we have a lot of good ones, whether it's computer hardware or um, I saw really cool code that models uh, particles. Uh, Floatex, which of course is a product that PADT sells, was there. Uh, it's, it's really cool, and I, I hope to have them on uh, to talk more about how they fit into the ANSYS ecosystem and how they may be able to plug some holes in your needs. And the third one... Um, this was an observation from one of our new salespeople is, um, um, wow, everybody here is really smart. And you know, this is sales kickoff and we can make fun of salespeople all we want as engineers, but um, ANSYS salespeople are, you can't really sell the tool if you're not a smart person, even if you don't have a technical background. And, and he was right. It, it's a, it is really a, a fun, smart, um, it, it's a good group of people. And, and I think that uh, if you're not, if you're just dealing with one or two salespeople, you may think yours are that way, um, but it's the whole organization, um, technical, engineering, marketing, the executive team, everybody that was there, um, really, really smart people. So I, I really enjoy spending time with them, and I, I wish it was more than just once a year. Uh, it's, a, it's a great event, especially meeting with the folks from Europe and Asia that come into town for this event um, and getting to know them. So enough about the, the sales kickoff. Let's go down and do some news. Uh, ANSYS stock is doing fantastic. It continues to set new records. It, it was just a smidge under $281 a share uh, today, which is the 29th of January. <clears throat> but by the end of the day, it settled down at 277.72. And uh, they did announce that they'll be reporting their earnings for the whole year and for Q4 on February 26th. So stay tuned to see what that looks like and what they have to announce. It should be pretty good. Uh, 
in the world of ANSYS news, uh, pretty cool. ANSYS has a new website. So check it out at www.ansys.com. It's really modern. I think it's a little bit easier to navigate. You know, that ANSYS is never going to solve the problem of they've got too much information to share. So it's a bit of an information overload. But with the number of products and modules within those products, there's really no way to make that easier to access than they have it now. It's a, it's a nice website. I like it. It's faster as well. Also in the news is they announced that um, sometime in January, early January, they had their one millionth download of the ANSYS student version. So if you're an ANSYS student, you can, or if you're a student, college student, you can uh, sign up and you can download an a educational copy of ANSYS. And uh, they've had over one million of those downloaded. So that's a lot of college students using ANSYS. That's fantastic news. Um, they also announced every year they have a contest called the Hall of Fame where people can submit uh, both on the company side and the academic side the models they worked on throughout the years, the year. And um, they, they picked three winners for company and three winners for academic. The, the company winners, uh, one was a simulation of asphalt drying. So it's phase change and heat transfer and stress and all sorts of cool stuff. It's a really neat model. Um, number two was the electromagnetic detector for internal cavities in copper. So this is using uh, electromagnetic fields to, to um, you know, induce a field into a chunk of metal and then measure how it reacts um, to see if there's a void there. I'm getting a little bit beyond my knowledge of things, but check that out. Uh, even if you're not an electromagnetics user, it's pretty cool. And then the third is, is something that um, it's funny. We did at PADT, you know, gosh, now probably 15 years ago, but <clears throat> uh, it was really hard to do back then. And we didn't have the, the basic capabilities that we have now. It's a flutter tool. So flutter is, um, and this is particularly for a turbine engine, is when the natural frequency of a blade or a, you know, like a fan blade is closely matched to the excitation of the air around it. So it kind of reinforces itself and you get this, this flutter effect where you get this kind of forced vibration um, in, in the blade and the, the blades can break if you move them too far. So we want to get rid of those. It also affects performance. Um, and it, it's a difficult simulation. So these guys wrote a tool that simplifies the whole process and makes it really easy to calculate flutter, uh, in a turbo machinery. So if you do anything that spins and moves air, check that out. It's really cool on the academic side. Um, Number one was a tool to find unexploded landmines. So that's very useful, unfortunately. In many parts of the world, there's a lot of unexploded landmines. So this is a, a tool that, that uses electromagnetics to find those unexploded landmines. And then the other two winners were both in the uh, heart simulation space. One was modeling an artificial heart ventricle. And the other was a cardiovascular, it was modeling the whole cardiovascular system, um, including the moving walls and all the valves and everything. So a really complicated um, <clears throat> multi-physics problem. So very cool stuff. Uh, check those out. There's really cool pictures. If you want to find it, search for ANSYS 2020 Hall of Fame competition winners or just the Hall of Fame winner winners. And you'll find it, or you can go to the ANSYS website, go to About ANSYS menu, and then underneath that is the News Center, and uh, it's like the third or fourth article. Uh, speaking of news, we don't have any for the uh, PADT side of things, so nothing to say there. ANSYS blog-wise, the three articles I recommend you reading. Um, one is a look at doing complex 3D printing of a heat exchanger, and the heat exchanger's got some really gnarly geometry that was created with N topology. 
and print it on a Velo 3D printer. And here at PADT, we're huge fans of both end topology and Velo 3D. Velo 3D allows you to do supportless 3D printing of, in metal uh, or near supportless. So it's perfect for these kind of complicated uh, geometries with internal passages. So seeing ANSYS end topology and Velo 3D working together is great. Um, number two that I liked was what happens when experts silent supersonic flight. I'm kind of fascinated by supersonics. Uh, and it's a difficult simulation problem, so it's, it's a neat one to look at. And then the last one is three technologies bring sci-fi to life at CES 2020. So ANSYS had a huge booth at the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas for 2020. And uh, some of the guys walked around and their observations on, on three ways the technology is doing some sci-fi type stuff that they saw. Um, I need to get to get to that show one of these days. On the PDT blog, we have two articles from our high-frequency electromagnetics folks. First was Alec Gavaroff, and he did, had an article about reducing EMI with good signal integrity habits. So uh, electromagnetic interference is what EMI stands for, and it's nasty, and you can use the ANSYS HFSS products and some other uh, ancillary products from the electromagnetic suite to identify and remove these uh, EMI issues. And number two is also in the high frequency space. It's from our engineer, Seema Naganian, uh, and it's defining antenna array excitation with nested if statements in HFSS. So this is something that we've seen a lot of our customers do with HFSS is um, doing these antenna arrays and how to model them and how to post-process them and everything. You can use these if state, uh, nested if statements to do some fancy stuff. So check that out if you're in that space. Upcoming events, we have a PADT webinar on mechanical updates for ANSYS 2020 R1, and that's going to be tomorrow, uh, January 30th. You probably are listening to this after the webinar, but all of our webinars are recorded and can be seen uh, at a later date. So if you go to Bright Talk and look for PADT or look for ANSYS, you can find all of our webinars, including this one, and listen to the recording. Other events going on, as I mentioned, I'm down here in Tucson for two days of talking about light and photonics and all that stuff. And uh, that's, that's going to start tomorrow morning and uh, two days at the um, um, Bio5 Institute at the University of Arizona. So great event. People from all around the world come for this. Um, and I'm going to talk a little bit about ANSYS and PADT, but mostly I'm going to be listening. Um, the webinar I already talked about uh, in February. We're going to have, and speaking of Tucson again, we're going to have our 2020 Tucson ANSYS user conference. That is going to be on February 5th down here in, at Brother John's Barbecue. So if you're an ANSYS user in Tucson or Southern Arizona or Phoenix, you want to drive down, check that out. And then I and a bunch of other folks will be at the Pacific Design and Manufacturing Show, which is also the MD&M West Show. We'll be there from the 11th through the 13th. Come visit our booth if you're in Southern California, um, and we'd love to talk to you and show you what we're doing. And then we're also, I'm going to be um, leaving a day early from that show and headed over to a, another conference called the Advanced Manufacturing Supply Kitchen Conference, which is over on Huntington Beach which is just a short lift drive away from Anaheim. Um, and I'm going to be talking about um, basically additive manufacturing and some advanced technology capabilities with additive and how it's changing the manufacturing industry. So if you're attending that conference or thinking about it, I'll be there. So stop by and say hi. 
In conclusion, I want to thank everybody for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to www.padtinc.com slash opt in to get our emails, spread the word. We'd love to get more people listening to the podcast. And as always, don't hesitate to reach out. Thank you for joining us for the All Things Answers podcast, episode 55. As a reminder, this podcast is not affiliated in any way with Answers Inc., and the opinions expressed are those of the people on the show only and not of their current or former employers. For more information, visit www.pdtinc.com slash blog, and please share your thoughts and questions through an email to podcast at pdtinc.com. See you next time.